Today's episode of Down to Dunk is brought to you by Central Bank. Strong roots, endless possibilities isn't just a statement. It is Central Bank's past and future. It is their successes and challenges. It is more than 110 years of service that spans across 140 plus locations. Strong roots, endless possibilities. That means that they're here for you. Learn more at centralbank.net, member FDIC. I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Luke Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robinson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Slam through. Taylor. Strumming my pain with his finger. One time. Singing my <laughs> life with his words. Two time. Killing me softly with his song. Killing me softly with his song. Tell him I- Slam through. And Jay. It's Jay. That's a banger. Bangers and mash, bro. I always feel really weird saying banger. Do you? Yeah, I just feel like it's it sounds like me trying to be hip. Or disgusting. What if you are yeah, hip, or that. Jay? Huh? What if you are Am I hip? hip? <clears throat> Tell me more. You're a little hip, Jay. I'm a hip. I'm a hip guy. Backwards I've always back. in my life struggled with hipness because I was always the person that was late to almost every fad. Yeah. Like in second grade, I uh, was new kids on the block was that was the jam. Yeah. And I didn't I mean, I thought they were ridiculous, but everybody, especially the ladies, really loved new kids on the block. And so one day I showed up and there was like the coolest kid in class. This girl was in her class and I was just like trying to be impressive. And I was like, yeah, I finally got that new kids on the block tape. And she was like, uh, that's so old. And oh, my God. <laughs> in my life. Trucker hats. I was late to trucker hats, and then I started wearing them. People just thought I drove trucks for a living. <laughs> late to trucker hats, as if trucker hats was like this super cool. I guess that's more of just my, I guess that's just more of my, uh, you know, my inability to really look too hip, you know. That's the bigger deal. I, I did want to say something to you, um, you know, 10 weeks ago when you were still wearing Jinkos, but. You know, <laughs> dude, I still to this day remember my uh, my uh, favorite pair of khakis I ever had were Jinko khakis, but it's before they got into like the mammoth barrel legs and yeah, Jinkos. Did man. you have wow. some mammoth barrel leg Jinkos? No, I never got that big. That's too bad. I know they were real Jinko boys. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. how big yeah, did your legs so, get? I was so jealous. <laughs> there was a guy at church that had these just massive legs <laughs> and he'd just play pool all the time they were they were it was like he was looking back he was wearing a skirt basically <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah they were 
ridiculous. I never got that big. Never. No, I didn't either. Never got that big. Okay, we're going to do our Down to Dunk book club. We're reading the book Boomtown. We're in chapters 7 and 8 this week. If you're following along, I hope that you're enjoying it as much as we are. The chapters this week are called Microwave Popcorn and Sonic's Gate. So let's just start with chapter 7, Microwave Popcorn. It's essentially about the land run and what a mess it was. Crazy. Like, I know that we... I know that we learned about this i know but there are so many details of it that i felt like we're like brand new and i was just in love with hearing this part of our story like it's so cool and i just think about like i don't know enough about other people's origin story to whether or not i can tell you that like it seems really unique that the way oklahoma was started was that way but it seems really unique that oklahoma was started this way it's kind of cool. Like I thought it was kind of neat to reflect about that. I mean, it's terrible and it's awful and it's chaotic, but at the same time as it's like, Hey, at least we have something that's kind of ours. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's for real. It It is, it is unique. It is weird. It is weird to think that that's how it started. I mean, can you imagine now that's, that's exactly what I thought. Like, like, like a plot of land is a not plot of land is, is open. It's like, ah, this is how we're going to do it. This is the best way that we figured that we could do this. And it's just like, that's the, that's the best way? That's how you're going to? Okay. It actually kind of sounds like the way we're dealing with things uh, these last four <laughs> years anyway. But also, um, I wanted to say on that, I was thinking, how do they keep 100,000 people like on this line uh, at this barrier until noon? Well, it sounds like they didn't. Well, I mean, it seems like everyone pretty much obeyed the rules. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> that's on. but it is that's what the Sooners, right? Like the Boomers and Sooners were Boomers were the ones that went early, and Sooner I can't remember the specific details, but they were ones that crossed the line early and went and plotted and found their spot. Sooner is such a funny name now to think about. Yeah, it's like who are those people? They're the ones that went sooner than we did. <laughs> I mean, and why did they always try to rhyme everything? Like, there's three people, there's three categories of people in this story. There's Sooners, there's Boomers, and there's Nooners. Yeah. And it was like back then, like if you <laughs> titled something <laughs> in this era of time, that everything had to rhyme. Yeah. Poets. I'm trying to think of what else from that chapter I really appreciated. Uh, I appreciated the part where they talked about how, like, everyone was just bringing wagons of cattle and all sorts of stuff. Like, all the things that you'd need to start building a city. And I was just thinking about how insane that was. And they had to cross rivers and, and all sorts of stuff. They had to have the National Guard escort them to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said entire families drowned. <laughs> like, people, yeah. people were just dying along the way. <laughs> it's like... It is wild. That is wild to think about. I mean, I don't even like taking my family on a road trip past like Houston, you know, like imagine going very slow and potentially dying in a river. Oh, yeah. Well, and for me, I, I keep thinking about like what obviously most cities today are roughly around where they initially settled. And so, you know, we all have been through Oklahoma. 
like what part of the state would people be like flying hot air balloons over waiting to land right like one of the stories that he mentions is hot air balloons flying over that they have to like what part of the state and so you look and it's like well i guess oklahoma but then you look around at the the like the geographic landscape around oklahoma city excuse me and i'm like yeah why was this an area that got yeah really picked okay see in particular yeah like i guess there's some rivers maybe that were around it but tulsa makes sense obviously like tulsa is beautiful and tulsa has arkansas river running right through it and but it's it's odd if you look at the major cities and be like why did that one really get picked early on well, and especially think about like the geography and surrounding Oklahoma City. I mean, it's just miles and miles and miles of the exact same thing. How they decide? They like just kept yeah, going. And like, here we'll stop here. here. Yeah. <laughs> well, didn't they, say, didn't they say it's where the river turned? Yeah, I think that's. I mean, that's. I think part of the primary reason it is, but it is like I mean, there is also part of it where I do think where is there something where it's like, all right, how far down can we go before we? Okay, we've been traveling the same direction and it looks the exact same for three days on our and we lost the Smith family. They got drowned in the river and I'm not going any further. Like it's not gonna get any different any further south we go. So just put your freaking stake down here. Stake. Put your stake down. Here's the funny thing. Dig your house. Do you all still did you when you are in elementary school, which was varying ages or varying years? With this ten group. years ago for me, did you all do a uh, land run in, in elementary? Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I don't remember. Did, we did. Well, you were in Ireland, probably. They did not do a land run in Ireland. Did they land yeah, run we Ireland? No, we practiced potato famine. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> But it's fun. It's not ever something I really thought was probably a unique experience for elementary school kids in Oklahoma City until then, or in Oklahoma until then. Really, they still do it. At least at Andrew, my son's school, they oh, yeah. uh, they still do a land run, and it's a big deal for third graders. You have to dress there it were, up. And I mean, there were some kids that took it really serious. <laughs> like what do you do? Other to, people? Yeah. What do you do to take it serious? Uh, cause you get, you know how you, like you all line up and like they were in their like wagons and stuff and just sprinting to the best spot. Mm-hmm. And I was like in first grade and I was like, man, I can't wait till I'm older and faster and then I'm going to get to that spot. And then I was like fourth or fifth grade and I was like, uh, this is stupid. I'm not doing that. <laughs> it's, it's funny though, is, is in an elementary school, like just one of these quotes here, it says the founding of Oklahoma city, he wrote, uh, John Williams rep wrote uh, was the most disorderly episode of urban settlement this country and perhaps this world has ever witnessed. And so my assumption is, as an elementary school land run is not too dissimilar to what the, the real actual thing. land run, run felt yeah, like. Probably true. Ah, run! Did you guys have to do like families whenever you did the land run? Mm-hmm. We had to stay in groups of like four that were de- designated by our class. Yeah, it was kind of weird. It was like, you're the dad. Well, no, we mom. didn't do anything like that. I yes, we did that. I felt very weird about it. And you were, these no. are the kids. That's probably why Luke thought it was so stupid. It was yeah, like, they made us. They made us kiss. <laughs> they made us kiss. <laughs> it was weird because I had like gone through puberty in like the fourth grade already, and so like like I was clearly the dad. Is that <laughs> true? 
Oh, mustache were danger. Early, were you early pube man? Oh, yeah. I was. <laughs> It's true. Luke, is it true? Oh, y'all didn't really start connecting. Yeah, I'm laughing. I know it is true. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. I was a late pube man. You were? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Pube man. I was a big doughy. Isn't that what Taylor just called you? I don't know. I did, but it sounds better coming from Joe's mouth. <laughs> Does it? Yeah. I would disagree with you that. You pronounced to puke I was just a, a lot more. Just a big, Ugh. doughy baby until like eighth grade. Oh, wow. Big, doughy, pube man. <laughs> big, doughy, Pre, pre-pube man. God. <laughs> uh, people going to be mad at us for this part. They're going to love know. it. Yeah, so there's always you never know if it's going to be loved or hated. Vangelope um, will not like. Oh, yeah, Vangelope, Vangelope sorry. Will this part. Uh, okay, so the next chapter, Sonic's Gate, uh, is basically the the birth of the idea of ha- having an NBA team in OKC. It talks about uh, the Hornets coming here, which I didn't even remember that they had only been in New Orleans for three years before that happened. Yeah, that's great. And I didn't really, I don't think I, I probably remember this, but I, I don't remember this, if that makes sense. And so, which it doesn't. Um, I don't remember that the Thunder were close to actually getting them to just stay here. I kind of remember that. Like yeah. there was such a sentiment to get them back to New Orleans because of all that New Orleans had gone through that I, I, I guess I just don't remember that ever being close to a reality. Um, when George Shin, the owner of the Hornets at that time, and he was awful from what I remember. And anyway, but they ended up selling them to the lady that owns New Orleans the or the Saints. And so they are still there, which is that would have been that it would have been hard to which would have been better getting a team and benefiting off of a tragedy that killed what 1600 people in Katrina or getting a team and having to deal with the whiniest X fan base in the history of the NBA. <laughs> One is so much worse. If it, getting it on out of Hurricane Katrina, I mean, look at it. How, look how bad it's been just from like, you know, a city hating us from the way we did it. And then getting it from like, oh, yeah, we got hit by a hurricane and they took our team and we ne- never got it back. Like they, they stood up and like, oh, we're going to do this noble thing. You can play here and uh, for a few years and then they never gave them back like that would look a lot worse it'd be way worse let's say like a a tornado just ravages okc and we can't have the thunder anymore and kansas city takes them for a a year or two and then kansas city's like yeah we're just gonna keep them we'll just keep them here like can you imagine that they should be the, the rest of the country should be thankful we took seattle and not uh not New Orleans. You're welcome. Well, Seattle, I mean, the, the interesting thing <laughs> you about this chapter. You should think us. Yeah. <laughs> this chapter could be, I mean, it, there's enough there that they don't like, re, that the book doesn't really dive into for like its own whole book. Yeah. For um, real. Because like, but it, the best is that like, you know, if Seattle really, really tried and would have done some things to like build a new uh, arena, they would have kept the team. Yeah. Like they, they were saying, and, and our ownership group was doing things that they knew Seattle didn't want to do because Seattle already had said, no, they weren't going to do most of it. And so they said, okay, we'll do this stuff or we're going to find somewhere that did. Oh, it just so happens. Oklahoma City has all this stuff. So, it, you know, Seattle could have kept them if they'd done 
you know, if if they had done all the right stuff, they just didn't. Well, also think about this guy that started Starbucks and clearly has a lot of money. Don't sell your team to an ownership group from Oklahoma City that clearly wants a team in Oklahoma City. Yeah, Howard Schultz, it, true, like, true Sonic fans hate him. They should. That should that be too. their enemy. Like, they realize oh, that. Yeah. But yeah, what's crazy is if you think about it is if, like, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you an exact timeline, but just a few years later, not long after this, how all went down when the oil downturn happened, we, they would have never been able to do what they did, let alone buy, like not, not just buy the team, like buying the team fine, but like the amount of money they had to pay to get out of their lease, the amount of money they had to pay in fines and all these different things to the city of Seattle. Like, yeah, I think it would have been far more difficult for them to be able to move. But at that point they still had Aubrey who just literally spent money like, crazy mm. to try to get this team moved and Tom War I mean all those guys and they were at the peak of their their success oh yeah as companies and and so but I don't know I mean I you know it's this is none of that and that story was new to me um other than that New Orleans part of it at least trying to think about it and it's hard like so here's the question that always comes up in my mind is is if you so number one is remembering like New Orleans still really struggles as a franchise to fill the sta- stadium yeah, the fan interest is very low. And part of that's because that city has never never fully recovered after Katrina. Like it yeah. population, like a lot of its population moved to Houston and, and some of those surrounding cities in Tol- in Texas. And so but if you were gonna look at fans, because I think this is the deal, is is the NBA could really and they couldn't do it because they would have to be way overreaching in their authority, but there are teams that should be moved. Like yeah. that would make more sense to go somewhere else. Yeah. And so if you're looking at that, like what teams would have made more sense to be moved? Than the Sonics? Yeah. I mean, it, honestly, the Hornets should not have gone back to New Orleans. True. They can't fill the stadium when they have Zion Williamson. I mean, that's a disaster. They couldn't fill it with Anthony Davis. They man. couldn't fill like, it with Anthony Davis. They literally can't watching him Zion play, Williamson. you're like, oh, he really is a a generational talent and he's just been in new Orleans. You put Zion Williamson in Seattle. You're telling me that they wouldn't fill that stadium. Absolutely. It'd have been insane. Oh, yeah. Really put John him in Kent put 2.0, it, man. Even put him in well, Kansas city. You think that okay, Kansas so city's not going to fill that arena. Like they just will. Want, just want to clarify Andrew's point right now. Basically he's making the point. We should have taken the Hornets and left Seattle. We should have taken the Hornets it's after a, hurricane Katrina. That's what Andrew's <laughs> arguing. Pretty much. <laughs> <clears throat> pretty much it just didn't make well, moral sense at the time yeah if you, you if you obviously could remove that part of it which is you know not easy to do um, what's it called when a disaster happens and people just start stealing crap looting yeah Andrew supports looting on the highest level on the highest white level. collar looting <laughs> white collar looting uh yeah, I mean, other teams that could probably use a relocation. I don't know, Orlando? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so here's your teams that have the lowest attendance. Now, this is probably unfair because this is just this year, but bottom of the league, the Timberwolves, it's hard. You can't move a team from Minnesota, which it's not the fans' fault that their ownership has been so god-awful for so long. Yeah. The Hornets are one, but Charlotte's an enormous city, which I never realized until I flew in there one time. Uh, Detroit is the one I think that if it wasn't for the rich history they had, it's another city I think that their team that just could is lose. so bad. 
I know. Atlanta is one of the most surprising low supported teams Dude. in the NBA. Yeah. It's, and then you have the Pelicans and the Zards. The Kings are obviously one that but they have the I mean, they're not too far off from Oklahoma City as far as fan support. And you remember those two thousand teams, man? That was insane. They just get a good team. A lot of that. Yeah, and Sacramento was like Oklahoma City in two thousand one. I mean, if Sacramento had Zion, even. Yeah. Or Luca, which they could have drafted. Or Luca. A reminder. Which which would have been possible. Guys, yeah. guess what? I've lost my wallet. I'm looking around my house for it, and I'm wor- little get starting to get a little concerned. Because. Oh no. <laughs> Hope you find it. Check your I don't, check your pants. I don't know if I will. I'm going to check my pants. Um, but I'm so glad that it did work out. Really, the way it's worked out, because I love Seattle's far enough away that I never really, you know, think about it. I've never been there, all that. Like, and they hate us, and I kind of love that they hate us. <laughs> it, uh, it really has worked out best for us, I think. Oh. I hope they get you know? a team, though. I hope they get a team at some point. I hope they get a team too because the rivalry between the two teams, oh, it'd be great. It would. Yeah, that would be cool. I'll tell you what though, they they should move Oklahoma City out of the Northwest Division if they got a new team in Seattle. <laughs> you think? Yeah, and they should put them in the Dust Bowl, whatever Mark Cuban. Oh yeah, what yeah. Major Burn, what do you say? <laughs> Mark Cuban, man, that dude's the worst. The Dust Bowl Division. Cubes. <laughs> Cubes. Oh, uh, Cubemon. Early Cubemon? Is he an early Cubemon? Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, there wasn't, I, I mean, it's, it was, I loved it. I love the content. I really like Sam's way of writing. Like, I just feel like it, it yeah. he just does a great job of, of drawing you in and making you feel like you're in the story, which I really appreciate. And the history stuff, I just geek out about, man. I love it. Yeah. That's very good. It is good. It's it's an easy read. It's going fast. We're on, we're only, uh, you know, I'm looking at my little uh, Kindle that I'm reading it on. We're only like ten or eleven percent through the book. Yeah, got a way. We'll get you one way or the other. This is going to get us all the way to the NBA season, whether it's the 2020 to 2021 season or if this season starts back up. So we're going to be reading this book for however long it takes. We may stretch it out the pace if we need to. Yeah, we may go a sentence at a time. <laughs> so there is there is a renewed optimism though that the league will do something yeah that, i think there's I a renewed it. optimism across the country to be honest that something could happen yeah uh in, you NBA know just people because they're are... starting to at least lay out some plans for for restarting a lot of stuff but mm-hmm. it's a lot of hurdles to jump and who knows yeah nba people that i've talked to that have not had not been optimistic are starting to turn yeah i listened to a little bit of that dream team podcast when you all talked about it and and it's hard it's hard i don't want to i don't like diving into it because it's a lot of us like there's like it, it what's funny or hard is a lot of people like i listen to a lot of different things specifically in the church world in the basketball world and there's a lot of people that aren't uh epidemiologists that are talking about stuff oh, with dude. a certainty of an epidemiologist, right? Like, well, yeah. if you get this and it's like, okay, well, it's hard to have these conversations and recognize like, Hey, I'm getting information from other sources because a lot of it does come down to feeling. Cause I think the most, I don't want to talk too much about this, obviously, but 
the hardest thing is that we have no no certainty. There's no certainty about anything. Oh yeah. Uh, on the other side of this, is it going to be May? Is it going to be June? Is it going to be July? Is it going to be 2030? You know, like we have no idea what it looks like, and everybody hears their own information from a different source, and so it's a wild time to really see how information has become so um, scattered. Yeah. And and even you know biased or just skewed in one direction or the other, and so it's hard when we start having these conversations because somebody will say something, and you're like, I don't think I. I don't think I've heard that. Jay, this is how, this is the, is this from the podcast I told you to listen to? Did you listen to it? Yeah. Yeah, no, I told you. I said I liked it. I just thought it was way more, yes. So he yeah. listened to uh, Chris Hayes. Uh, hey, what's why it called? Is this happening? Why is why this happening? Is happening? Yeah. It was interesting because it just talks about information, which I think yeah. is, is the thing that's so confusing. But yes, I feel like there's a growing optimism in general that, that we, I mean, we have flattened the curve, which is an awesome thing for a lot of people well, to have sacrificed a month worth of I would anything. say we I would say we are big we are in the very early stages of flattened curve. But the problem is is that if we open all the stuff, you know, we get it starts all over again. <laughs> you know? It could without some pretty pretty strict guidelines with how we yeah. open up. So and the other and my other the only you know we don't have to talk about this forever, but the other thing that's a little frustrating is the council to reopen America has no epidemiologists on it. <laughs> yeah. So it's a little, that's a little frustrating, but. Are you yeah. all excited for, so Sunday, the uh, last dance with the Chicago Bulls team. Yeah. I'm very excited for that. Yeah. Do you know that the version on ESPN will not have bleeps? It will be the full cussing version. If you want the family friendly version, you have to watch it on ESPN too. Did really? you see? Did you see Michael Jordan came out this week and said, "I think that after watching this, people aren't going to think I was a very good teammate." And I'm like, Michael, yes. we already knew that." <laughs> yes, I'm very excited for it. It's going to be really good. He punched Steve Kerr in the it. face. In the face. Oh yeah, that's a good teammate though. Because look what he got out of Steve Kerr after that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Warriors would have never been what they were without Steve something Kerr. Loose in Steve Kerr. Yep. This is going to be what Durant's going to be saying and doing like before the Oklahoma City Thunder, um, you know, 10 episode documentary like 30 years from now. Dude, Dur- Durant doesn't even have the like at least Michael Jordan's considered the greatest of all time. So he, he won six for championships a- for that team. Yeah. He, would have won, he would have won eight, by the way, if he didn't get suspended for betting. And yeah. Durant just has- I'm just kidding. He went and played baseball. Does not have the dignity that MJ has yeah. or had back then. No, I mean, it's MJ, perceived. dude. It's, even if it's not true, like he's defined yeah. as the greatest player that ever existed. Yeah. Yep. No, like Katie every other player to... is compared to him. And he it's was crazy. Great. I love reading all this KD stuff coming out from the first, the first person to talk about KD publicly being a little wiener. Who? What am I? What? Ethan Strauss. This book, yeah, and this yeah. Warriors book that came out, it's like, <laughs> it's like, yes, this is everything we know about KD plus some, yeah, and everything, everything it seems is just perceived slights from KD. Like if anyone's, it's like if someone yeah. gets the game ball that gets less points than him, Maurice he's States. mad about it. Yeah, it's really. I, I have no idea what you are talking about. I haven't heard any of it. Maybe our new book club book. After this one, Jay. Yeah, it might be next. It, uh, Jay, there's just a whole lot of little stories about Durant just being, uh, just being kind of a jerk in the locker room and like complaining when other people get the game ball that's not that scored less than him. And 
like nicknames other players have that like when they aren't scoring, like they've never scored 20 points and stuff. It's really, it's pretty funny stuff. Was he like that in Oklahoma City, Andrew? I don't know. His reputation surely wasn't that. No, most definitely not. That's wild. That's good. I mean, not not that the PR battle between Oklahoma City and KD was really that much of something. Most people realized how weak that move was. And how and the hard part is like nobody would justify how pissed off Oklahoma City fans were. Mm-hmm. Like there were a few people that were like, it's the it's a weak move and but it's like it just feels good. It's kind of like when your your ex, you know, we've always compared this, and I know there's you know whatever holes to this comparison. But when your ex leaves, then people start realizing like, like man, she had a lot of problems. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, see, it wasn't just me. It wasn't yeah. my fault. But now she was we, crazy. Now we get to talk to our ex girlfriend's ex boyfriend about it. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that? It's a fun conversation. See, no, that's what this no. is. That's what's happening right now. That's what this book is. It's a little yeah, fun. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard for me to get Jack to listen to Ethan Strauss. He's he's awesome. You need to give him another chance. All right, I'll give him a shot. Uh, okay. NBA draft. 2008 redraft We're redraft the 2008 NBA draft, which is a really good draft. And I'm excited to do this. Although I've stopped at about 15 players. Okay. So can I, hopefully I can just draft all those guys. 15. There's a ton of players in this draft. Yeah, I know there are, there's at least how many 50. There's at least 60 of them. Even more undrafted. Anthony Morrow undrafted. Oh, there was one more that was undrafted. That I thought was useful. Daggummit. All right. How are we doing? Who's drafting when? Luke, are you going to stick around for this? Well, I, I do. I'm about two minutes from having to go and go to work, so I probably should not. So I should not give you the first pick. No, because I'm, I would have the first pick, and then that would probably be it. Okay. You should do that. Yeah. All right, so we'll go Taylor, me, Jay. So, Taylor, you have the first pick in the 2018 Down to Dunk redraft. 18? Eight. Sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, with the number one overall pick, Taylor picks Russell Westbrook to the Chicago Bulls. <sighs> the crowd goes wild. Actually, they go, who? <laughs> the crowd goes mild. <laughs> the crowd goes, what? Russell Westbrook. I mean, at the time, it was a reach to pick him at four. You know, I mean, I remember. Yeah, it really was. I I mean, the range that he was going in was closer to like eight, nine, or ten in that draft, and the Thunder reached, and he ended up being the best player in the draft. And and career-wise, it's really not that close as to who the best player is, which is pretty. It really isn't. It's hard, man, to get too far into it to realize. I mean, it's he's a tier by himself. I think yeah, it's fair yeah. to say that. Yeah, he's in a tier all by himself. And it's funny, three years in a row, Sam Presti picks the best player in the draft without having the number one pick in any of them. Well, I don't know if... I mean, I wouldn't say Harden's the best player in that draft. Who's you better? Who? Steph? Yeah. I mean, Harden... I mean, I would take Steph all day over James Harden. Yeah, maybe so. I know it's close. I get that it's close. It's 1A, probably 1B, but I would take Steph. I think Steph is, I mean, I don't know, probably one of the most skilled guys I've ever seen play the game. Yeah. Best shooter that's ever played the game. 
If James Harden had the teammates Steph had, if he flip-flopped their teams. Oh, man, that's hard to – I understand what you're – I understand that. That I just think Steph – I don't know, man. Clay and I just Draymond. think it's a different – Clay I think and Draymond, prime Clay and Draymond with James Harden. I just, sure. I just – and you put Steph with all the guys that James has had. Yeah, it's hard. As I think there's – for me, I do pause just on attitude – um, yeah, I think that's a big deal for me, at least when I evaluate players' attitude and and the way people compete. And Steph is great, especially when it comes to attitude. Great. Okay, so guys, that's why I gotta, you know I gotta go. I see you later. Bye, Luke. Thanks, man. I hey, see you. I see hey, you. love you guys. Love you, dude. Okay, I see you. Bye, late Pubon. I see you. That's a good argument. That'll be a fun one to have. And we're redrafting that next week. So that's the 2009. <laughs> yeah. But unquestionably, he picked the best player in this draft, which at the at the time, the hype was Derrick Rose. It was OJ Mayo. It was Kevin Love. You know, that's Michael Beasley. You know, remember how crazy people were going about Michael Beasley? Dude, yeah. And part of that, that was a crazy time where the... Big 12 had like back to back to back Naismith winners for players of the year. So yeah. the year before this was KD. Yep. And KD playing for Texas, it was stupid watching him playing college. I, I know you remember this, Andrew, but if you were around here and you watched KD for Texas, it was it was just shocking watching him play basketball. And then yeah. Beasley was incredible too. Like Beasley was a really good college player. He was so and then, good. Yeah, and then the year after this, we had Blake. And so it was like back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, just incredible. Isn't that right? Yeah. Maybe it yeah. should have been a red flag that he played for Kansas State. Yeah, but who knows how much Frank Martin paid him to come play so there. So much. <laughs> Dude, I'm, yeah, so much. Wasn't it, was it Frank Martin at that time? I think it was, yeah. but who knows. So Terrifying. Uh, all right, so that was Chicago Bulls got Russell Westbrook. Yep. Uh, the number two pick. Oh, because everything just kind of drops off a cliff here a little bit. I'm, I think I'm still going to take Derrick Rose just for the career that he had when he was with the Bulls. And he's still good today. Like, he's still a good player. Uh, but just, I mean, that MVP season was unbelievable. He was one of the more athletic, fun point guards to ever really play the game. So good. He won the MVP. Nobody else has won the MVP. So I think that if you're redrafting, I still think that you know, at two, you're doing. Miami's doing a lot better than they did with Super Cool Bees. Um, so I'd still, I think I'd still take Derrick Rose at this point. This is pre-sexual criminal, so I'll allow it. Yeah. Rose and Derrick, uh, no Rose idea. and Dwayne Wade. Man, yeah, that would, been, that would be sick. Fun. Yeah, and and you used to have a chance to keep him and get LeBron and everybody else. Because he's on his rookie scale deal. Yeah, that would be incredible. Still. So with Minnesota at the third pick, I'm going to just go ahead and stick with, they didn't actually draft him, but I would actually take Kevin Love for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah. And then I would just say, yeah. Kevin, it's not worth going to Cleveland. You're going to win a championship, but it's not really going to pay off in any other way. Well, just don't sign your second deal with them. True. Go to Cleveland. Just don't sign your next deal with them. Win your championship and then move on. And then try. He was... It's hard because we know it. We remember most of him from Cleveland. But as an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, watch, like, he was so stupid good in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Like I remember, I don't, I couldn't tell you the specific details, but it was an overtime game where the Thunder and Minnesota went back and forth. And it was like, I think Kevin Love, it felt like had 95 points in that game. <laughs> he, he's an he was inc- so good. incredible in offensive player and insane rebounder. I mean, 2010, 2011, 20 points, two and a half assists, 15 rebounds a game. 15. He's yeah. 20 that's and 15 nuts. for a whole season when he was 22 years old. I mean, that's insane. People forget because yeah. then once he gets to Cleveland, he's 16 and nine, you know, where it's like, okay. Yeah. And in the whole conversation pretty quickly comes, well, I mean, does Cleveland need to trade Kevin Love? Like, can he guard the perimeter? And he's also one of those things that was, he's one of those guys that was a casualty of the NBA switching to a perimeter heavy game. Yeah. Because all of a sudden it's like, do you really need a Kevin Love? Now he could stretch, like he's, he could be a, a five. But he's just not a great rim protector. Um, he just, if you looked at Draymond and Kevin Love, like on most metrics, you would take Kevin Love over Draymond Green. But I think in the modern NBA, at their at their most athletic peak, most people would have taken Draymond. Is that am I wrong to say that? Yeah, I don't like. Know. I think Kevin Love's a better player. The, it depends on the team. I mean, you have to have scoring. That's fair. That's fair. If you have Clay and Steph, sure. If you have two of the best shooters in the world. Yes. If you're a team that doesn't have anybody that can fill it up or you only have one guy, Draymond's not your guy. Draymond's like the perfect third piece to like a one-two scoring punch. Yeah. Kevin Love can be one of your one-two scoring punches. You know? I mean, even this year, he's 17 points, nine boards, three assists, shooting 37% on seven three-point attempts per game. Like he's had, he had a good, he's had a good season. He's just played on irrelevant teams for the past two years, and that's what makes. Which it I think different. brings up like the ultimate question for guys like Kevin Love, which is this championship or bust mentality with NBA players. Like they're only good if they win championships, or they're only elite. It's like Kevin Love could have stayed in Minnesota and probably gone down as one of the greatest power forward scorers and rebounders in the history of the game, but he would have never had a championship. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, that's probably true, but still like, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think he would trade it. I think that that's just the mentality that people have, right? Like, would you think that he should have stayed in Minnesota? No, because Minnesota doesn't, didn't do anything to help him. Like they never could put a good roster on him. Like they were just so poorly run. Like I understand getting out of there and going to Cleveland for him, but I'm like this, it's just hard because he's going to be so Everything for him personally changed. His greatness immediately had a ceiling put on it when he went to went to Cleveland. Right? Like, he's still good, and we know that. Like, we know that, but he's just not going to get to this elite level of... I think people would think of Kevin Love very differently if he was on a team where he was still the guy. Which he kind of is in Cleveland, but he's not. Yeah, but like he's not. Get, but if you get to thirty-one and you have made it, haven't made it past the first round, though, I don't think that you get yeah. that. You're right, huh? Yeah, I mean, got, I think it. It just depends on like if you could have gone to a team that put pieces around you and still been that guy, and it's hard because he has the chance to do that, but he's just not the same guy. Like he, he's just big dudes don't age well. Truthfully, like that's probably the bigger deal. But yeah. 
I think he could. I think that he, if he could get on a different team, that I still think that his perception could change. Because what's a good fit for him? <laughs> not Cleveland. You know what would be, and I, I don't think they could do this. But you know, if like if Chris Paul went to the Knicks, yeah, and they just like, hey, let's just be relevant for three years, and and we can still like you could put Chris Paul and Kevin Love and mm-hmm. R.J. Barrett on a floor and. And probably make the playoffs in the East. Mm-hmm. Pretty assuredly make the playoffs in the East. Yeah, be a nice uh, like seventh seed in the East there. Yeah, real <laughs> yeah. nice. Real I mean, nice. If they if they went to New York though, Chris Paul and Kevin Love are getting hurt for seventy of those eighty two. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I mean that's true. All right, so that leaves Oklahoma City with the fourth pick. Back to um, you, Tayshawn. I'm between two guys, and I know who Andrew's going to pick after I pick this person, and I think it'll be either one. I'm going to go ahead and take. I'm going to take Surge here. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm going to do it. Okay. Uh, Four. I just. This goes back to the. I think. Are you going to take DeAndre next? No. You're not. <laughs> wow! I thought that was the next two up. Um, no. But I, do you remember when we used to have arguments about who is better between DeAndre Jordan and Serge in their peaks? Yeah, because they were both like shot blocking maniacs at the time. Shot blocking maniacs were pretty good offensively, but in two completely different ways. Yeah, I mean DeAndre Jordan. There's one way you can play him defensively, and the only reason that I'm picking Serge over DeAndre is because Serge has just so smoothly and easily been able to fill whatever role he's been asked besides Orlando. I feel like Orlando search never existed. It's equal to uh, Orlando feels that way too. Yeah. Orlando never existed besides (laughs) Dwight Howard, but uh, I'm going to take search here. I mean, in his peak, he was a great three point shooter. Good, good rim rolling guy. Uh, You know, I mean, best shot blocker in the league, best shot blocker. Serge is great. I don't know if I would. I, I mean, I could see it. I think it's valid taking him here. Um, I'm. Oh, it's not me for Memphis. It's no. you, Andrew. Sorry, man. Yeah, I. Uh, I think I'm going to take Goran Dragic. Okay. He's had such a good career. I think he's completely underrated. He has. Um, yeah, and it's hard because he just was stuck in the purgatory of Phoenix. Yeah, I for mean, a while, yeah. you know, like if he would have had a chance to land somewhere else early, it's so crazy. And this is the thing that these drafts always remind me is like where you land matters so much to what you can become. Oh. I think a transcendent player can be transcendent in any market. Um, mm-hmm. But I think if you're on this level where it's like, man, if you were just on a team that actually put together something around you, because it's really hard to drag a team through like that's what maybe makes LeBron even more impressive is I don't know if you saw it this week, but they're celebrating that Cleveland team that won 66 games, like a franchise record. And it was like Daniel Gibson and Mo Williams and Zadrunas Elgowskis. And I mean, it was the craziest roster ever in LeBron. I'm like 66 games. Now the East was garbage yeah. at that time. Um, but it's still just so impressive, but you have to be somebody like that to be able to drag a team that doesn't have, and those guys were fine, but it was nobody that was elite outside of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look at Dragic, and it's like, man, if he would have gone and landed, I mean, who knows where? Like, it could have been a total different ball game for him because he is—he's incredibly skilled. Yeah, 
he's fitting his role in Miami, man. He's been really, really good in this kind of second run in that second unit. He's, 16 he's one of the reasons they had a lot of year. success. Yeah. 16 points per game this year. I mean, he's, yeah. a, he's a really good player. And with everybody awesome. else that's left on the board, I mean, he's, he's a, he's a game changer. I mean, he's very, very good. And he's, and he's, he's a complimentary player to a degree, but he's also a guy that you can give the ball to and he can go create his own shot. And there's just not yep. a lot of those guys left really hardly any of those kind of guys left. And I think those guys are really the most valuable in the league. If you can find a guy that can create his own shot and average 20 a game at any point in his career, I mean, that's a big deal. He went 45th yep. in this draft. He's actually selected by the San Antonio Spurs and then traded to the Suns. Yeah, the Spurs. I mean, he would have been a great Spurs. Oh, he's a spur. He is a spur. All right, so with the sixth pick, the New York Knicks are going to select Brooke Lopez. Ooh, Brooke. Brooke. Talk about an underrated career. And the way he's been able to reinvent himself on this Bucks team, even though he was abysmal from through this year. Uh, Brooke Lopez was incredible in New Jersey. Yeah. Like, it's hard not to think about when OKC had Brooke Lopez, like, on if, – if you remember the story, supposedly, I remember Bobby Marks has talked about it, but Brooke Lopez, whenever they traded for Ennis Cantor, Brooke Lopez was – like, they were this close to pulling the trigger on Brooke Lopez, but Brooke wouldn't yeah. commit to staying in Oklahoma City. And mm-hmm. so they ended up going over to the Jazz and getting Ennis Cantor instead. I mean, I, you don't draft Steve at that point, and or, or Steve wasn't Steve already was a, on the team. Yeah, he was already on the team. Yeah. So you have Steve and Brooke, and maybe you can move one of them. Um, but they could kind of have worked together the same way that Ennis did. But I don't think Steve ever becomes what he became. Steve was already them, Steve was already who he was. But Steve I'm saying, like really you, you couldn't start you couldn't start Steve over Brooke Lopez. I mean, you, they would have. Yeah. Not back then. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah, yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. they would have traded for Brooke to start. I don't. I don't. Hmm. Back then, dude. I mean, Brooke Lopez was like, what year was that? This was fourteen. This was twenty fifth. Yeah, fourteen fifteen. Yeah, I mean, Brooke was like, shoot, what was he? He was like twenty three points per game. Yeah, but at this like point, that. he was a dinosaur. He had, he hadn't he started shooting threes yet. Was he? He yeah, he took, was back to basket. Like he was slow footed. Uh, he wasn't. He wasn't incredible. But I'm telling, like, if 14, they could 15, have found, he took this, ten threes that whole season. Ten. How many did he make, Andrew? One. Oh my gosh, that's ten percent. He. So 10%. this is crazy. So fourteen, four. No, no, fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, fourteen, fifteen. He took ten. Fifteen, sixteen. He took fourteen, and then sixteen, seventeen. He took three hundred and eighty-seven. <laughs> yeah don't forget he signed in milwaukee on like a i mean he that deal was like nothing that first contract he had in milwaukee was like didn't was they pick him up contract. off the scrap heap it was a minimum contract in yeah. milwaukee his first year but remember it until he got to milwaukee he played another season in brooklyn yeah. then he played for the lakers and then he played for milwaukee you think it's too high you think I'm I'm you think I've got a recency bias on how good he's been the last two years in Milwaukee? No, because he was good the first part of his career. I mean he made an all star team in twelve thirteen. He had a broken foot too. He had that Jones fracture. He made the Jones fracture known before Kevin did. Yeah, I mean you look at his career. I mean, four times, 
four seasons, he's averaged 20 points or more. I mean, that's good. He's a good player. Yep. All right. This is back to Taylor with the LA Clippers. I'm kind of, I'm looking at careers here and I don't know why Jordan, why Deandre Jordan wouldn't go right here. There's way more fun players to take, but I'm just saying like, uh, F it. I won't take him either. Let's go Gallinari here. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know that DeAndre Jordan's first name is not DeAndre? What do you mean? His first name is Highland. Highland? Mm Mm-hmm. Is he Scottish? Highland DeAndre Jordan Jr. There's another Highland DeAndre Jordan out there. I just want to mention this. Like I've I've said this every week when I've gone here. I've been just watching NBA highlights from time to time and just all-time plays. And the DeAndre Jordan dunk on Brandon Knight is still the greatest posterizing in the history of the NBA. There's two of them that I remember more than any. One is DeAndre, and then the other one, and mainly because I just don't like Portland at all, is when LeBron James dunked on Nurkic so hard that the joy deep in my soul just welled up. Those two dunks are the dunks that I remember more than any others right now. What about about that one game that Blake had two – like the greatest posters ever, both on Pau Gasol yeah, I was gonna say, in one game. Lots of Blakes. There's lots of Blakes out there. There are, but it's for me is the DeAndre Jordan one was so. Oh yeah, that's the best one. That one is like just damaging. Brandon and I literally never played basketball again. <laughs> that's damaging. <laughs> damaging man. It did. I think it ruined Brandon Knight's career. Uh, you took Gallinari. Let's talk about Gallinari's career. He's. Isn't it? It just still is a little weird that he's on the Thunder, to me. Uh, yeah, he's so good. He was he on so the Thunder. Good. <laughs> he Jay, was. Stop. Good point. I just. <clears throat> I mean, from his rookie year, he's averaged up somewhere between fourteen and twenty points the rest of the year. Every if year. it wasn't for injuries, he would probably yeah. be higher on this list, right? Yeah, probably so. And any defensive capabilities, too. <laughs> Hemping of the move his feet. That would also help. It would be helpful. That would be helpful. He's just such an elite offensive player. Like, it's insane to watch him play. How easy it is. Yeah. It's still my favorite part about Gallo, though, is his odd cutting to the rim game. Like, it's every time he dunks, I'm shocked. That's my favorite part of Gallo's game. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, I, I forgot he could do that. I can't believe he played in Denver as long as he did. Seven seasons? What is this? One, two, yeah. three, four, five. Five and a it's half, the city. and then one was out a whole year. If you remember at the beginning of the season, one of the things they talked about is like, Gallo, we know it's going to be hard being in Oklahoma City because you've played in New York and you lived in L.A. And he's like, what you guys forget is like Denver's my favorite place that I ever lived. Yeah, Like I loved being in Denver. He was there for most of his career. That's insane. Mm-hmm. It does not feel like that. What's it feel like to you? It feels like New York. And a little bit of Denver, and then the clip, and then like he's back on the radar. Yeah, he was in in New York for two and a half seasons. For me, is it feels like Gallo has been more of a journeyman. Like he's one of those guys that's played for like ten teams, but really, it's not. He was in Denver for such a bulk of his career. It's only his fourth team. Mm Hmm. Oh, Gallon mommies. Pretty wild. So he's like one of the greatest offensive players in the in this league for the last what eight years if you look at just his, his three-point shooting just scoring ability just offensive like 
getting to the line, scoring. I remember getting so mad because Gallo would just get to the line so much when we play Denver. I remember mm-hmm. that more than anything else. He's so good, him. man. I like Gallo. Yeah. Especially now that he's a Thunderman. He's a Thunderman. He's a, and he's, I mean, he's clearly just a role player because he's not like he's, a, yes, he's a really good offensive player. He's really efficient, but he's never been like the guy. You know, he's not, and you can tell that he doesn't really want to be the guy on the Thunder. Um, just the, by the way he carries himself and by the amount of times that he shoots it per game. It feels like we, he's had a good time though, right? Like it feels like he kind of is just enjoying his little role where there's not a lot of pressure on him. And Yeah. I mean, he's never taken, and it's funny, I say, I say that he's taken the most field goal attempts per game with the Thunder this season. It's his career yeah. high in field goal attempts. Isn't that weird? It's just weird that for a guy like that, he doesn't break. He's never <laughs> broken 14 shots per game. Like a guy who's that offensively capable he should and have, dependable. Yes, he should have had seasons where he's taken 17, 18 shots per game. Yeah. And then yeah. he would average 25 a game. You know, I mean, that I can't wait to watch this team again. That would have happened. That's a, so much fun. That is a weird stat that that's his career high in field goal attempts. Yeah. 14 a game. Not even. 13.6. That's just, that is just wild. Andrew Milwaukee. Um, I will take. Mm, I, I won't take Joe Alexander. Which is who they took. Oh, come on. He's a Mountaineer Hall of Famer. (laughs) Number eight in the draft. (laughs) I'll take DeAndre here. Okay. DeAndre Jordan. Uh, He's, I mean, obviously still playing in the league. And the perception of him now is that, like, he's washed up, doesn't care about defense, blah, blah, blah. But he's, he had such an incredible stretch with the Clippers. And he made an all star team in 2016, 17. He never won Defensive Player of the Year, did he? I don't believe he did. I don't think so. But he was, I mean, he made some all-defensive teams. Oh, yeah. He was up there. He was good. DeAndre Jordan was good. He's he's limited. Like, he doesn't do anything for me. He's not quite a dinosaur because he can still rim protect pretty well. And yeah. But everybody was pretty like, why are the Nets giving him a contract and money? Yeah, yeah. Especially after um, his time, his year in Dallas. Oh, really and bad. that Dallas-New York the stint was not very good. New York is really bad, you know, but his, his stint with the Clippers was long enough. He had like a long enough tenure where he's, he has double, double every year and shows up and block shots. And oh yeah. He led the league in field goal percentage for most of those seasons too. It, it just, I mean, it can't, all he does is dunk, but 71% from the field. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, he's making everything. And also that's and, a lot of that goes to Chris Paul. A lot of that goes to Blake. Yep. Both were incredible passers and guys that took all the attention. They had JJ Redick. I mean, those are, those were really good teams. Those are, a, that's a team. And I was talking to Fred Katz about this the other day. Like there are, there are teams that are so celebrated that never really accomplished all that much. And for whatever reason, Clippers are not a team that are celebrated. <laughs> Didn't yeah, I never listened that. to that. I know J.J. Reddick did a, I think it was with the Ringer maybe, <laughs> but J.J. Reddick did a conversation. Or maybe it was Matt Barnes. I'm not sure. He has his own did podcast, J.J. does. Say, what, say that again? So J.J. has his own podcast. Yeah, but one of the two of them, I, I can't remember who it was, but they did They did a conversation on why that Lob City team never became what they could have been. Yeah. Because if you put a team together on paper that was like, I mean, that's, dude, that's pretty elite at four different positions. Yeah. 
Yeah. And just lost to the Rockets with Josh Smith and Corey Brewer. Lost to the Thunder. Yeah, that one was fantastic. Just blew that game. Uh, Okay, so Charlotte. This is where it starts. I think there's. this is where another tier maybe starts. Is is that fair to say? Uh, Yeah, I mean, for sure. Guys that you don't get super excited about? These are are all role players moving forward. So I'll go ahead with Charlotte. I'll take Eric Gordon. Yeah, he's the next guy for me as well. I don't really have anything to say about that. Eric Gordon is another guy that (laughs) had a lot of injuries and found himself for a couple years in Houston, but doesn't seem to be the same guy quite yet this year. So, Can you uh, name two of his seven nicknames? No. Let me see if I can. Uh, Hobbit. The Hobbit is one. The Hobbit. E.T. No. For going by Alex's rules, you're out already. Oh, man. E.G. E.G. E-Money. E.J. Splash Splash Gordon. Gordon. 3G. Air Gordon. Okay. I like Splash Gordon. You want to hear this stat about Eric Gordon? He's played just one more game than Roy Hibbert. First career. (laughs) And Roy Hibbert's been out of the league for like three years. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That's awesome. All right. Tayshawn, you got the Nets with the 10th pick. I'm going Nick Batum here, man. Oh, okay. I love Nick. When Nick Batum was in Portland, I loved that dude. Yeah. I I don't know what happened to him, like, with Charlotte. He just he has not Charlotte? been the same guy since since he's left Portland. But in his early 20s, God, that dude was so good. He was the guy you wanted. He was the, he would yeah. have been a he's a perfect wingman yeah. for this era. Mm-hmm. Perfect, a good shooter. I mean, an okay shooter. Good he's scorer, good. good assist man, good rebounder, good defensive player. He was just uh, your all around guy, your mm-hmm. everything guy. He's another one of those guys that took a giant contract and yep faded into that. oblivion because he's been stuck in Charlotte for too long. And what's wild? You know, it's interesting. Yeah, like statistically. Statistically, he has some of his best seasons in Charlotte, but he it just didn't matter when you're on a team that yep. doesn't win. It's relevance, and, and you really shine through. A player like Nick Batum really shines through when your team is winning. Like those Portland teams with Wes Matthews and Lamarcus and Early Dame, God, they were so fun, dude. Those the West in that era was just unbelievable because that yeah, was the Thunder yeah. at their peak. The Spurs were still incredible. Portland Clippers. Lakers were still somewhat relevant towards the end of that or some of that. Oh, yeah. Same so with good. the West today. <laughs> true. It just, you know, it's... The West yeah, just, re- just remains what it is. Uh, yeah, Batum is is interesting. I mean, his last year in Portland, he was nine points, four yeah. assists, five boards, 32% from three, 40% from the field. And like stati- like his shooting numbers he had one good shooting season in charlotte everything else has been below his career average it's just you wonder if maybe he's a guy that once this contract is done that maybe he could land in a spot uh and be a good role player but like this season in 22 games he's three points four rebounds three assists yeah what's going on with that he's He's 31 i don't know i don't know it's a weird one it is weird it's back to you, Andrew. Okay. 
Eleventh oh, pick. Gosh, this and even more. So, I I think I'm going to take George Hill. Here. Yeah. Uh, he's. I mean, George Hill is a is a guy that has been on mostly relevant teams, uh, which has helped him. Because if George Hill is just on bad teams, I don't think that we think of him as really anything, you know. Mm-hmm. But he's 33. He's on the Bucks. He's played really well for the Bucks this season. He shoots. He shot 48 percent from three for the Bucks this season, <laughs> which is insane. But he played for those Spurs teams his first three years and was very good. Got traded for Kawhi Leonard to Indiana, and then he was a part of those Indiana teams that were just incredible on defense. You know, making the conference finals, battling with the Heat. You know, he's a big part of that team. And then he kind of bounces around a little bit, Utah, Sacramento, Cleveland, and then he's found himself on another contender, Milwaukee. But he hmm. just remains like a helpful player. He's a good defender. He can shoot it from three. He's not a guy that's going to create his own shot necessarily, but, you know, I mean, he averaged 16 points per game one season in Indiana, which feels weird to me that he averaged that much. So 16 points, five boards, four assists. Wow, um, it says he averaged almost 17 in Utah. Yeah, that year in Utah was very strange. Wow. Yeah, I don't remember I don't remember that. Remember it. Oh, that's because it's six it's sixteen seventeen, Jay. That's why. Yeah, yeah. We were that's... not giving a crap about anyone else outside of Russ that year. No, that's true. I did not watch anybody else play basketball that year. Yeah. All right. So it's my pick, the thirteenth pick. No, sorry, the twelfth pick. I'm going to take Courtney Lee, I think. I don't feel great about it, but that's who I'm taking because I don't know. Oh, man. Courtney Lee here, huh? I don't know. Courtney Lee was always... I always feel like Courtney Lee was better in theory than maybe he was in reality. Probably as an Oklahoma City fan because you always just wished that he would come and play in Oklahoma City. Like It was always the dream. But look how many teams that dude has played for. Hold on. I'm pulling him up right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different teams. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, he, let's see. Going through here. I mean, he was a guy that his reputation um, always kind of carried him because he, he was a pretty good three-point shooter but never took that many shots. No. So this is, if you look at his career three-point percentage, like his highest three-point percentage is actually this year, which is insane. Yeah. Uh, but he's only taking two a game. Yeah, he's only he's taking on, three shots. He's playing 14 minutes a <laughs> game. taking, taking t- three shots. He's only taking two three-pointers a game. Yeah. You know, so, but if you look at his highest, I mean, he shot almost four in 17, 18 for New York. I don't know, man. He's just, like I said, I think he's always been a guy that was probably better, like, he would have been a guy that would have benefited maybe from the right team, but the dude, it's not for a lack of shots, man. He had eight different chances to be on the right team, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just probably telling a story. He that... was on good teams. He was on like some pretty good teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean this. I mean this season, he's played twenty four games. Like he doesn't even play for them. Yeah, he's taken eighty two shots on the season. Yeah, I mean he was a really. I mean he was crucial to that Orlando Magic team in his rookie season. I mean, he was was that the Dwight Howard? Was that the team that went to the finals? Yes. Yep. Okay. And then he went and played for New Jersey, and then he just kind of bounced. Um, but yeah, he's. I mean, he's a solid role player, shooter, shooter guy. You know, he's one of these guys that's interesting. Like rookie year, he only 
played for one year with the team he was drafted by. Yeah. Yeah. What, who did he get what traded? Happened? What happened for that? Do you know? Yeah, Vince Carter. Ah. Uh, yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right, what pick in are we Orlando. at? What in the world? Uh, we are at the 13th pick. It's Portland. Is it me? Not that it matters, Andrew? but it's Taylor. Yeah. Oh, dang it. We'll stop at 14 with the lottery. Oh, dangers. Dangers. That's good because I'm running out of players. Yet. Who has not been picked yet? We got Anthony Randolph, Michael Beasley, JaVale, Roy OJ Hibbert, Mayo, Roy Hibbert. Let's see, let's see. I'm gonna go with. Uh, <laughs> this, so this is my last pick, right? Yeah. Yep. All right, Mari Spates. Most oh Spates. wow! Didn't even make it on my list. <laughs> you probably shouldn't have. It's just those I two love. years in Golden State, man. I get it. That dude was killer. Now on the Clippers, he was good too. Yeah, Mo was buckets, he? baby. Mo buckets. Was he on the Clippers? Yeah, he was on the Clippers. <laughs> Close your eyes. You said that with such confidence earlier. Well, I was like, I see him in a Clippers uniform, but dude, and those Golden State years, he was like, there would be he was some a games. Killer man, dude, so, I hated him so much. That, that was like right when they were starting to get good too, and. uh he was he would just come off the bench and have some games where he just couldn't miss, just taking the dumbest shots. Yeah, and unguardable. His stupid for the face, man. He has such a stupid face. I loved when he would just go off. <laughs> he played with Billy Donovan. How about that, man? I didn't realize he was a Gator. He's a Gator. Wow. Taylor, close wow. your eyes and spell his first name. M. I know it's weird. M. A. R. R. E. I don't know if there's an A here. Let's just go E A S E. It's really close. It's close. Way closer than I would have gotten. M A double R double E S E. Oh, double R double E. Yeah. Maurice. <laughs> Maurice. <laughs> oh, that's really good. So, Andrew, you got the 14th pick. 14th pick. Final oh, pick of the lottery. I've got some guys. DJ Augustine is still on the board, still playing, still relevant. Was good. Ryan Anderson. Ryan Anderson. JaVale McGee. Pekovic. Rolo. Luke Richard and Bob Mute in this draft. Roy Hibbert. Did Roy Hibbert win Depoy? No. He was close, though, wasn't he? What, What happened to him? He was like... Oh, dude, the, talk about a dinosaur, man. The gonna, center to have. I'm going to take Roy Hibbert for this reason. He made the all-star team twice. He was the guy, man. He really was the guy. Nobody it else like, did that. That's left. He was like the LeBron solving agent. <clears throat> yeah, he was. Yeah, I remember thinking, I wish we had Roy Hibbert on the Thunder. Yeah. And that was a real thought to have at the time. God, he was crazy. just a he just he aged quick, man. He, he was, was so slow laterally. He was too slow. It just was. But for that was a great draft. There's a bunch of guys that we let like. There's a bunch of guys left in that draft that still had good careers. Yeah, Mario Chalmers, mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I mean it was it was a good draft. There's a lot of really good players, like above average role players, in this draft. And then, but really only. Probably the only guy that makes a Hall of Fame is Westbrook. Right? Yeah. It could have been Rose. 
could have actually, been. I been think Rose. maybe it could have been love too. Could have been both. Could still. Yeah, be that love. is the crazy thing. Like if if love stayed in Minnesota and got those gaudy numbers, like is there a chance that he would have made the Hall of Fame even without the championship? I still think he can make the Hall of Fame now. Huh. I don't think the numbers have. I think I think you're thinking too much about the numbers, Jamon. <laughs> thinking too much about the numbers, Jamon. <laughs> Oh man! All right, boys. Anything else? I think that's it. Yeah. Next think- week we'll get back. We'll do the next year's draft, the 2009 draft, and we will finish or continue on in our book Boomtown by Sam Anderson. You definitely can catch up in a week. It's easy to get where we are. So jump in and read that. And uh, yeah. Yep. Go uh, eat at the mule my- and uh, enjoy. They have a they have a deal right now where you can a burger get- special, man. Yeah, it's like. Four burgers and like a large fry and a large tot for like twenty four bucks. Can't be. You can also buy wine and six packs of mix and match to go. Oh, so hook up local. I know wine for sure, and I think six packs mix and match. So don't quote me on that. But the mule, the mule OKC on uh, Twitter and Instagram. The mule Edmund and the mule Edmund. If you're an Edmund, it's great. Gotta go check out the mule Edmund. All right, do it. Do it. Okay, my next pick was going to be Patrick Ewing Jr., who was the 40, 43rd overall pick. Yeah. And then the next one Super. was going to be uh, Alexis Ajinka. Ajinka. <laughs> Remember him? Yeah, he looks like Stewie Griffin. Yeah, he did. <laughs> oh, and Kyle Weaver was next. Yeah, Kyle Weaver. We didn't even mention Costa Kupas. You're right. Kufus actually carved out like a decent career. Like never really worth anything crazy, but never really awful.